Welcome to this Kingdom Faith Yorkshire podcast from the August family holiday. This talk is by Paul Abel. Now don't be distracted. Keep your focus on the Lord. Keep your focus on that. Even now as you listen, you are interceding. We sometimes forget that we have the privilege when we come into a place of worship together that if we are intercessors, which we all are, We are standing in the gap for others. So often in the church, it becomes just a me and God. But actually, if we are as Jesus is, we are in this world, or as he is, so are we in this world, then we know that Jesus didn't come just to get closer to God. He came to introduce a world to God. And so even in prayer, it's like, a huge train of people behind us that we are effectively standing in the gap for. People that don't yet know how to encounter God, how to meet with God for themselves. It's like you are a huge funnel for your town or even your nation. I wonder where you picture yourself when I say things like we're praying for the nation, you know, especially if we say we're praying for our government. Because don't forget, you are seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. So actually, you are in that painting, if you like, that the Queen Elizabeth looks up at. It's not that we look down with superiority, but we do look down with authority. But of course, the authority of God not only enables him to quiet, be still, but God's authority is such that it enables him to serve. Now, we're going to come back... Uh, Well, God's going to do something amongst us this morning, which I think is going to release even more freedom. Uh, From what people have been saying to me, there was a lot of freedom from fear and anxiety in this place last night, as the the peace of God was so tangible. Uh, And there's been some great stories of just being taken to another place. But you know, this is a new day. and I don't know about you, but I find I can get the whispers every single day. You know, I can make a breakthrough, and then the enemy comes in and says, was that really a breakthrough? Actually, that was just a nice feeling. God isn't really that good. God really doesn't love you that much. And that's how he goes on and on and on and on. But you know, it's a bit like David realized. The bigger the enemy, just the bigger noise they make when they hit the floor. Your problem is not your problem, it's, it's the way you look at the problem. They saw giants in the land, we're grasshoppers, Caleb saw opportunity. Problems are merely opportunity to see the glory of God. That sounds a little bit glib, but it's true. God, there are times when I don't feel like it's true, I tell you. But it is. And then, of course, you overcome them and you've got a wonderful story and people love to hear your wonderful story, forgetting that 98% of it wasn't wonderful. It was the result that was wonderful, but some of it was just sheer, gutsy struggle to stay close to God. And at times, you probably didn't even do that. But he never let go of you. (laughs) Now, if I say Mark 2.1, you might not be surprised that I've mentioned that verse. Um, it's our verse 
not just of the weekend, but it's a fundamental scripture. And it was noised, and it was heard, and it was gossiped that Jesus was in the oikos, the household. And because of that, all these people gathered at the door. And I want to go back to that, believe it or not, again. <laughs> is there more? Of course there's more. This, is, this word is living and active. <laughs> you know, we could, we could play the recording of last night, and God, if your faith is switched in, God will speak to you in a different way from exactly the same talk. Because the word is living and active, and we're speaking from the word, and we speak the word to one another. When we were at the European Leaders Advance recently, I think it was Graham Cook, started to speak and talk quickly through Nehemiah. And I, it just made me smile because in the very early days of our church, uh, revisioned, if you like, Nehemiah was so fundamental to everything that what God was said. But it was so fundamental. I mean, we, we were in it for about a year and a half, I think. I don't really remember. Uh, it, it became like a joke. If you mentioned the word Nehemiah, it was like, what's Paul preaching on Nehemiah? What's the word for today? Something in Nehemiah. Uh, and, and as soon as he mentioned Nehemiah, it's immediately what I thought of, and I was just smiling, and I, I thought, my goodness, I haven't actually spoken from Nehemiah probably for about 12 years now, well, maybe 10. It's like, yeah, why have I done that? And I kind of thought, I suppose sometimes it's just that you, you become over-familiar with stuff. We became over-familiar in a way, I don't think we quite did, with Nehemiah. You suddenly realize there's all this stuff in Nehemiah that we need to be relearning from all the time. Scripture is constantly bringing something new. I mean, it doesn't change, but it's always new to us. And so even when you look at things as familiar as this story, God can just break through. You know, when you're listening to a preacher, you want to be listening to the preacher, but the other ear needs to be listening to God. And don't get worried if you get distracted by God and miss 90% of what the preacher says. That really isn't important. If God's speaking to you, listen to him. I'm just here. My role is to be a trigger into you hearing God, a catalyst. Because hearing God is amazing. That's the things that really changes. You know, two words from God can set people free that they've had 20 years of counseling to overcome. It's astonishing how God does that. But God is doing that, and he's doing it again in our time. So that's why people are going to be at the door, because of the people that will accept them and touch them and connect with them, as we've been seeing. But let's move on from that, just that bit of the whole people being there. They were both inside and outside the house. This was no more could be packed in. Now I want to see our house church groups like that, don't you? Do you want to see your front lounge or your kitchen or wherever you meet packed so that no more can get in because they just want to come for Jesus? And then when you're not even having a house church meeting, you were just meeting a friend for a cup of coffee and 20 more friends turn up because they just want to hear about Jesus. I believe there is that time, but it comes from what we've been talking about. It's not go waving a bit of pixie dust and suddenly it happens. It's how the church has been operating as Jesus is, so are we in this world. As we live as Jesus, we will see these things. If we choose not to, we don't. But I know that we are by the grace of God, by his mercy. 
And I don't know about you, some of what God is saying to us, it can be a little bit overwhelming. The thought of lots and lots of people actually is quite overwhelming, especially as when they initially turn up, many of them will have many needs. Well, they all have needs, but some will have extreme needs. And I was reminded, Dan, <laughs> I want to use that video. You were just walking out <laughs> to take photos. He's not walking out because I'm speaking. Um, I was reminded of a video that I, I played um, recently uh, in church by Toby Mack. And I just want to play it again, this song, because as we contemplate this incredible, yeah, almost unbelievable, but this amazing call on what God is saying to us, you can feel a little bit like this song. So uh, yeah, let's run that video. Have we got it, Dan? <laughs> Praise God. See, when we're talking about stuff like this and vision and praying for nations and people knocking on your door, knocking at the church door, great gatherings, great steps of faith, it can all feel a little bit beyond you. It certainly feels beyond me. I mean, if you're sitting there thinking, no, I feel great, then actually you're in sin. Or you haven't realized how big it is what God's asking you to do yet. As if you think you can do it, you can do it. But you won't achieve what God's called you to. Because whatever he calls us to is out of our depth. It's beyond our reach. It's too high. It's too low. It's too wide. It's beyond our education. It's beyond our intellect. It's beyond our physical ability. It's beyond... But in Christ, all things are possible. No word is given, as uh, the angel explains to Mary. Nothing is impossible without the spoken word of God given with authority, if we put in every single Greek word. God never speaks a word over you that he doesn't enable you to live. But it, the words that God speaks over you are all words that you cannot achieve unless you depend on him. So everything that God speaks an initial reaction, quite healthily, is, I can't do that. Excellent. You've got the right level of faith. <laughs> and, if you, and when God speaks a word and you think, yep, I can do that, then you need to repent. <laughs> I know that's a slight unusual way of looking at it. You say, well, what about Caleb? You've been talking about him. We can surely do this. Well, but he said we can surely do this because God has given us the land. You see, the ten spies that went in with him that said we can't do this were absolutely and entirely and utterly correct. They couldn't. But Caleb knew they could because God would enable him because he had spoken the word and they were going to go over to the other side. Now, church... We're going to change, I believe. I, I think we're going to become even more dangerous. 
It's going to be a bit scary, particularly for those of us in leadership. But Because when everybody else is being brave, sometimes as a leader it's like... <gasps> when, when Brian, who's, who's at the back there, been doing our words for today... Uh, he used to run a coffee shop called Roasters. Uh, he was the manager there. And uh, he became a Christian and joined our church. And uh, it was really, really exciting. And then one day he came to me and said, God's told me to give up my job uh, so we can run the, the hub coffee shop at the church full time. And I was like, yes, oh dear. Because <laughs> like, there's Brian and there's Charlotte and there's Cameron. There's a whole family. And this young Christian is saying, I'm doing this by faith because I've heard God. And I'm thinking, what have I done? <laughs> and I'm scared for his family, and he's like in faith. <laughs> and I said to him then, back then, well, there, at the moment, we're, we're, we're going, yeah, we, that's what we want, that's what we're believing for, but there's like nothing to pay you. And he said, it doesn't matter, it's what God's told me to do. I said, and you're giving up a job, you've got a house, you've got a family, you've got to feed them, you've got to pay your rent. Oh dear. So sometimes when the people that you're leading step out, you have to catch up with them. All the while pretending that you're with them. Yes, that's brilliant, brother. Because <laughs> you don't actually, there's a bit of truth in that, because you don't undermine them. And you know if they're there, you just, you do need to catch up with them. Uh, and uh, so we, 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 we came up with a godly plan. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us that the commitment would be that Brian was going to come for three months uh, to work um, for nothing, effectively, but, uh, and God would support him somehow. Uh, but at the end of three months, such would be the transformation in finances that we would be paying him to work full time. And for three months, God supported them by a, a variety of ways, including unusual washing machine provision. And... That's another story. You can ask him about that one. But at the end of three months, finances have changed, and he's worked full-time for Kingdom Faith ever since. Amazing. It doesn't mean we, we let go. Oh, we've done that now. We still have to believe to pay all our staff every, every month. You know, we all, sometimes people say, oh, it must be easy for you. You don't have to live by faith. So actually, as the leader of Kingdom of Faith, I'm believing for, by faith for the lives of different families all over the place. I'm not just believing for my personal income. It's for everybody's. But actually, the comfort is that we stand together in that. And then we have a church that stands with us in that because we say, this is what God has called us to do. So we pull down the provision. But we're going to get some more exciting stories of people just saying, God has called me to do this. Now, I'm not talking about people just hopping off and doing something that they feel like. I don't think Brian particularly felt like it. It wasn't like, whoopee, this would be fun. <laughs> I want to give up my secure full-time income running a coffee shop that's been rated number seven in the country by the Guardian newspaper. Yeah, that's no problem. No, he felt challenged by that, but he did it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of that. If, sometimes if God says something, or you think God said something to you, one of the tests can be that you're just too keen to do it. Because that usually means it's either so preposterously out there that uh, you just think, oh, this is going to be fun, and, and it's, there's a naivety and immaturity in the faith, a presumption in the faith. Uh, or it's so easy, you can just do it in your own strength, so that's fine. You know, I've got faith for a cup of coffee later on. 
with no problems. I can go and press the button because I've got an espresso machine on site with electricity. Sorry for those of you intense. <laughs> but some of you who are intense have got electricity as well, so you know. <laughs> and you can always come and use my coffee machine. And the entire camp was at the door. <laughs> and Kate would be saying, what on earth did you say, Paul? <laughs> yeah. If you go over to the wooden huts over there, mine one's the furthest from the end. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> No more could be packed in, and Jesus preached the word to them. I love that the word is preaching the word. It's the word logos that's used there, the word. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's, he's, he's telling them, this is what it looks like. Now, when Mark wrote down these things, Mark was like a... Most people think that what he's writing down is what Peter used to preach, which is intriguing, isn't it? And don't you find it just so God that... The guy that's writing this gospel, we're not entirely sure who he is. <laughs> Probably, yeah, it's Peter's gospel that he's written down. There's that one obscure reference that there seems to be no other reason that when Jesus arrested, it says there was a young man there as well. And then when, when all, everything broke out, he runs off and he's, he loses his cloak and it says he runs home naked. Why is that in the Bible? This young man running home with no clothes on. It doesn't seem particularly edifying. Well, it's probably Mark. It's his little bit that he's stuck in there. But we don't know for sure. But it seems the only logical thing. He, he is in the Bible in other places, of course. He, he goes with Paul and Barnabas on missionary trips. And, uh, and there, but then one of the things that I think is so funny that here he is writing a gospel, then he lets Paul down so badly that Barnabas and Paul, two mighty Christian leaders at the time, have a massive row and go off in different directions. Mark going off with Barnabas. And yet Mark, God still uses Mark to write one of the Gospels that we read and are inspired by. Why do we think God can't use us? Here's a guy that caused a split in the church leadership. I mean, they were reconciled, and Mark and Paul were reconciled as well later on, and Paul, uh, uh, Mark goes back and works with Paul as well. So the, there was reconciliation, but you know, that, that was a pretty bad thing to cause because you got scared and ran off. And Barnabas is saying, come on, we're going to give Mark a second chance. And Paul's saying, no way, I need, I need a guy who's reliable. Well, you've got to forgive him. I have forgiven him, but I'm not taking him. You can imagine it going on, can't you? <laughs> and you suddenly realize this, this book is just full of ordinary people who said yes to Jesus. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. I mean, this is one of those Sunday school stories, isn't it? beg your pardon, they could find no way of getting him close to Jesus. So they climbed on the roof, made a hole in it, through which they lowered the paralyzed man as he lay on his mat. Now, as I ended last night, this is not a conventional way to enter a house. Well, it might be for you. <laughs> <laughs> they are so full of faith of what a Jesus encounter can do, they're not going to let anything stop them 
getting their friend at the feet of Jesus. And this is the kind of church he's looking for. People that will stop at nothing to be at the feet of Jesus. They won't think about what kind of a bill are we going to get from the house owner. They won't think, oh, that's just too expensive, I'm not doing that. They know they want to be at the feet of Jesus. They know that the most important and the most valuable thing, particularly for their friend at this moment, is to get him to the feet of Jesus. And there's no conventional, ordinary way to do it. We've got to take some of these odd ways to be at the feet of Jesus. We've got to be prepared to do things that are different. But not just for ourselves, because so often when this message is preached, it's a message of getting to God. But this is actually getting our friends to God. We've got to think out of the box. We've got to make some holes in the ceiling. We've got to do some unusual things. And some of them, they won't work. That's okay. Failure is not a disaster. It's just another learning opportunity. It's how science works. Science is a continuous sequence of failure until somebody has a success. And yet, much of our world is based on the belief of science. And then we get scared in faith to try things in case it fails. It's okay if it fails. It's, it's, you have the dichotomy, or we have the dichotomy as the household of God, to hold a standard of excellence, but allow people to fail. Because if you have only excellence, nobody dares do anything. And if you just have a culture of it, it'll do, you'll achieve nothing. So you have to hold these two constantly in tension. We want the best. And remember, as we were saying the other night, your best is not good enough. It's got to be, you need the best of the whole body who are with the best. It's going to be beyond you. That's the whole point of that song. It's, it is beyond us. It's totally beyond us. The call of God in your life is beyond you. Whoever you are, whatever you're doing right now, the call is beyond you. It's supposed to be. It must be. So they make the whole... And it says, Jesus saw their faith. He loves unconventional stuff. He's, 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 he's a bit mad, God. He obviously wasn't listening good. No. But he is, isn't he? Because you look at creation. It's just so stupidly varied. You know, he doesn't just create roses. Well, I suppose they're kind of manufactured as well from humankind. But you know what I mean. Look at the wildflowers in the field. Couldn't he just done a few red ones and yellow ones? No. He has to have all these, what are these, cornflowers, these funny blue ones, and then, and then poppies, and then, and then just huge varieties. He can't even just have a red flower. There's all these different ones. He can't stop himself just trying something else. What about if? Oh, I could. That's kind of how I imagine them. I don't know about you. Oh, I could use that person. Wow, look at them. They, they, they're just, oh, I love how they're so different. And humankind wants to make everything the same. You look at what humanity likes to do, and you'll find very often we want everything to look the same. I mean, you get a few weird designs, but basically things, when we create them, are made to look similar. Sometimes it's just called fashion. 
I mean, you say, oh, it's a wonderful variety of fashion. No, there isn't. We all, jeans and a t-shirt, how boring. <laughs> you know, and I make a, a, an odd decision to wear orange trainers, but they're still just trainers. What about if I've walked in in stilettos? That'd have shocked you, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that as a viable option, but... Besides, I don't think I could walk in them. <laughs> and I, no, there's none I want to borrow. It's fine. I'll stick to my orange trainers. <laughs> Can we move on from that example, please? They must have made a big hole because they lower their friend through it. They're a determined bunch. And they lower their friend lying on the mat, and Jesus sees this faith. So he says to the man, my son, your sins are forgiven. My son is a term of endearment. Interesting, though, because it's, he say, it doesn't say Jesus saw his faith. He saw their faith. So he pronounces over the man on the mat, your sins are forgiven. Doesn't that mess with your head a little bit? How can their faith faith be bringing him to a place of forgiveness. I mean, he's paralyzed, so he couldn't exactly stop him. I assume he's willing and Jesus knows that, but I just think it's interesting that it's our faith that can bring people who are paralyzed to the feet of Jesus. One of the things in that song but uh, when Toby Mac is singing, and he's singing, it's all beyond me, there's a line, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it says something like, the more I realize what you've called me to do, and the more I realize the sort of the neat working with others there are, the more I'm aware of my own need. And that's true too. The more God calls you, the more you'll be aware of how inadequate you are. That's good. That's what we always need to be. If you ever feel, that's fine, I can do that. That's a scary point. If our worship team ever gets up just feeling comfortable, I can do this, they're moving into a dangerous place of not doing it by faith. If I come to speak... People often ask me, do you mind doing it? I say, I never feel like I can. And I never want to feel like I can. It does make it slightly scary, I suppose, anxious every time you go to do it, because every time you make the decision, no, I'll trust the Lord to speak. Despite silly jokes about stilettos, the Lord will break through. My son, your sins are forgiven. There was no conventional way to get him to the feet of Jesus, but then there was no conventional response from Jesus either. The conventional thing, I think, would have been to make a bit of a fuss about this meeting being very interrudely... Interrudely? That's a, that's a mixture of interrupted and rudely interrupted. It's a new word. Interrudely, it was. <laughs> But his, his response is to forgive him. But then if you think about that, I'm sure you've thought of this before, that 
that was a pretty unconventional response. It's unlikely that the four friends made all this mess, risked all this anger of people to lower their friend down on a mat, stretcher if you like, must have been more like, to the feet of Jesus for him just to say, you're forgiven. I wonder what they were thinking on the roof at that point. What? Isn't this supposed to be the healer? Now, there are some people there who do make a conventional response. Some teachers of the law were present and started muttering amongst themselves, questioning why Jesus would dare to say such a thing. Only God can forgive sins. That was the conventional response. And Jesus, it says, knew in his spirit that he, and, and he knew precisely what they were thinking in their hearts. So he asked them, why do you think such things? Wouldn't it be easier to say to this paralyzed man, all your sins are forgiven? Or would you say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? I would say it was easier to say you're forgiven than to say, <laughs> stand up, you paralyzed man, pick up your mat, you who have no muscular strength in your arms throughout years of atrophy and walk out. Yeah, I'd go for the healing, the, the, the forgiveness. And Jesus says, however, to prove to you that I do have the authority to forgive. And he turns to the man and says, stand, pick up your mat and go home. I've always wondered why he said go home, not walk around the block a bit, come back and listen to me. But I have no answer for that. Why did he say go home? Anyway, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. What does the man do? The man immediately stood. That must have taken some faith. Because he'd never been able to. Or hadn't been able to for some time. We don't know whether he'd been paralyzed for life. But he immediately stood. Picked up his mat. immediately took responsibility for what he was going to do next. And went home. Walked out of the meeting before their eyes. And everyone was amazed. Never have we seen anything like this. He walked in obedience to what God had told him to do. And that is how we need to be right now as the church. When God speaks, faith. It's beyond me. It was totally beyond our paralyzed friend to stand up. But God had said, and he was going over to the other side. Picked up his mat. It's an odd little thing. <coughs> For me, it speaks of what I just said, a responsibility. Sometimes people get saved and they become weird. They expect they never... They expect to go off on adventures, but everybody else to pick up their stuff behind them. Yes, I am called to preach. Everybody else can do all the toilet cleaning and stuff. No. If God's called you to preach, you need to learn to serve. You can't preach without serving. 
you've got to pick up your mat. There are some very anointed people in this church. At the moment, some of them, the biggest parts of their job involve hoovering and putting out chairs. What's God doing? Growing the anointing, watering the seed, developing maturity to enable them to walk in that core that God has had on them. Sometimes the dreams that uh, Toby Mack is singing of, they're dreams, but they are where you are going. They're a destination. You've got to work on how God and you are going to go on that journey to be there. I've called to be a missionary in Chile. Great. How How are you going to prepare for that? You need some training. You need some equipping. You need to know the scripture well. You need to be prepared to live in uh, uncomfortable and difficult circumstances. There's language you need to learn. You say, oh, you're just taking away from faith. No, I'm not. You've got to pick your mat up. Then you go. In the meantime, you are on a journey. And there are adventures on the journey, believe me. There'll be adventures that train you and equip you and develop spiritual muscles to enable you to do what God has called you to do. When I was, um, when Kate and I went down to, to Roffey, and I know this is a familiar thing to many of you, but I want to say it again, because I think it's so true of what God does so often. As we drove down the M1 motorway from Leicestershire down to Horsham to to spend a year at college, God had said to us, you are to do everything you are asked to do. I'd been a head teacher, Kate had been a PA, and we'd run a church. We could have gone with the attitude of, we need to be treated like a head teacher, a PA, and pastors. But God said, you are to do everything you are asked to do. And we got asked to do a lot of things. We, we ended up, I remember at one time, decorating an awful lot of Rafi in our preparation for faith camp. We were given the odd day off to prepare to run Go Generation, but mostly we were painting. Because <laughs> it had to be done. But that wasn't the thing. The thing that happened when we were driving down was we both agreed on, we will do everything we're asked to, but we're not going to work with children. I finished with children, I'd given up working in schools, and I didn't really like working with children in the church very much. Kate certainly didn't want to work with children, and we didn't even say we won't work with teenagers, because that didn't even enter our thinking on the levels of no way God. And what did we do? We ended up starting J24-7, we ran the Sunday school, if you like, We did international ministry trips. We started a national magazine and did TV programs like every other Sunday school. But (laughs) because God gave us something to do that we didn't want to do, but it was to teach us something we needed to learn. And sometimes God does ask you to do stuff that you think, I don't want to do that. He gives you the desires of your heart, but you don't always know what they are. Now, this present day, It's such a joy to see so many of the children, now adults, that we work with. And a huge proportion of them are in church leadership, church ministry, or living as Christians. Because as we know, the common story is so many lose their faith. That's not a common story of that group. And I give thanks to God for that. 
you get wedding invitations or you see what's happening on Facebook and you just think, awesome. And it is, it's a treasure. And actually, I also later saw the wisdom of God because Kingdom Faith went through a huge period of change in the, in the 90s and the, uh, and the earlier part of the 21st century as it changed the way things run and uh, enabling people and, and, and equipping people. Uh, and and I, was, I was so blessed to be running J247 and Go Generation because there were two of us that were given complete freedom just to run with our ministries. One was Clive Urquhart and one was Paul Abel. He worked with the youth and I worked with the children. And I realized I probably, because of my own sinfulness, wouldn't have done very well if my, I was also a church pastor, but if that's all I'd done, I probably would have not stayed there because I would have left in rebellion and sin, saying I can't stand this. Because I can be very arrogant and striding and overconfident, and I needed that knocked out of me. You wouldn't say that, would you, Brian? <laughs> you wouldn't. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Brian and Kath I'm talking to, who obviously, they were, they, they were my real first Christian leaders when I was at university. So they know the rough. So sometimes God leads you in things that you feel like you don't want, but you do want it because it's gonna, it, it is your heart's desire. It's getting you to where you need to be. And, you know, you may have a heart's desire to do incredible things and make massive dreams, but often you have to start by picking up the mat. You know, when we say things here at this camp, like we're a family and, and, and sweep the floor and please when you're in the cafe and, wipe, and, and take responsibility to wipe the tables down or if you see the toilets are dirty, please could you just give them a clean? Don't think they will do it because there is no they. We are the they. We are the servants. And, you know, that can sound a bit like weird, but it, that's actually how we ought to be. Remember, it was Jesus that washed the feet of his disciples. And you think, oh, yeah, he only did that once. Well, he also happened to die on a cross, and that was only once. That was pretty good service to humanity. But we need to start thinking and allowing God to speak to us so we get some of these unconventional holes in reeves, unconventional ways of bringing people to the feet of Jesus. And we might feel like, oh, I've got so many needs, but if you want your needs to be met, that's how. It's when you serve. It's when you pick up your mat, you can go. Some people just want to go. They just want to do stuff. They just want the focus on them. But you have to be responding faith to God. You have to pick up your mat, take responsibility for you and your community, and then you go. But that's what's happening amongst us right now. Now, I'm going to leave, leave it there. I, I just, the, just the very last sentence here in this story, in verse 12. Um, everybody was amazed and praised God, saying, never have we seen anything like this. Well, I want to prophesy over the household's brethren here, Kingdom Faith Yorkshire and friends and family. We will hear people saying, Never have we seen anything like this. That's the season. Remember the word we had for this camp, very simple word. 
We're turning the page. The story is not new. The story is not something that's never happened before. It's a building upon what God has done, taking us into the next. Now, just to finish, I'm going to invite you. This is a bit strange, but then I suppose, actually, I did talk about doing unconventional things, so maybe it's fine. And don't feel uh, threatened if uh, you think, no, I don't want to do that. That's fine. There's freedom in God's house. But um, we are going to do something to respond to this word um, that happened here with the paralyzed man. Because last night we addressed fear and anxiety. But the thing is, we live in this modern society at the moment where this is such an enormous thing. And it's because we live in a world that's so controlled, or tries to be, and so dictated to, and so programmed, and so minute. Um, You know, I do use Facebook, and I like it, and I think it's a wonderful connection, but often I I see Facebook creating anxiety and stress in people's lives because they're, they're not on top of it. I mean, it's not obviously just Facebook. In fact, that's not so much in fashion now. It's Instagram and Snapchat and WhatsApp and everything else. And instead of it actually enriching people, it often leaves them with stress. I've got to check the phone. I've got to check the phone. I've got to be on top of this. What's happening? I need the latest picture on Instagram. It's, uh, and, and people's lives are so programmed. You've got to get this result in this exam, this result in this exam. You need to pass this test. You need this certificate. You've got to do this health and safety assessment. Health and safety assessments are wonderful. They're keeping people safe. But often they build upon and build upon and build upon, and it can feel like everything is just... Well, we're not of this world. We are in this world. And fears and anxieties and stress actually paralyze us from following Jesus as he wants us to. You can spend so much time on Quora reading about people's problems that you never actually help people. If you don't know what that is, well done. So, I also, obviously, the, 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 the paralyzed man, there were two other things that happened. There were other things going on. He, he was forgiven. And because Jesus is Jesus, the Son of God, he knew that that was so powerful for that man. And in fact, if you think about what he's doing, he was paralyzed by that sense of rejection, shame, and unforgiveness as much as the physical. Because otherwise Jesus would have just healed the physical. He was bringing lots of different things together here, but I, I think he was paralyzed through shame and unforgiveness and feelings of failure. I can't prove that to you, but it seems logical. And from what the Holy Spirit's saying to me, the, the, the church is metaphorically paralyzed by this sense of unworthiness. It's, it's a re- one of the reasons I took you through that Jesus prayer before we, we prayed for the nation, because often people's confidence is just ruined because we don't feel quite good enough to have prayers answered. And it's a nonsense. We're not good enough. But Jesus is. Incredible power. Uh, and then there's the physical healing. And it just leaves him. 
and he stands up and picks up his mat and leaves. So we're, going to, we're literally going to do this to finish. So before we do it, Claire, you will have some notices you want to give. So we're going to do it, and the last part of it will be to get up and leave. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.